0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to VMB, the Voice of Manhattan Business, brought to you by the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. I'm your host, Bruce Hurwitz. You can find me on the web at hsstaffing.com. I hope everyone will be able to join me this coming Wednesday at noon for our Veterans Day special. My guest will be Deborah Pawlowski. From KEI Advisors, she is a graduate of West Point and served five years in the U.S. Army, rising to the rank of Captain. We will be discussing women in the military. To learn about all future shows, please visit our website, thevoiceofmanhattanbusiness.com. And please remember to visit the events page on the Chamber's website, manhattancc.org, to learn about upcoming events on the Chamber's calendar. I am delighted to be joined today by Luana Lewis from the Better Business Bureau. We will be discussing cause marketing, bringing businesses and charities together. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. Additionally, as a matter of policy, the Better Business Bureau does not endorse any product, service, or business. The information provided here is believed to be reliable, but the BBB does not guarantee its accuracy or completeness. No information provided here or in conjunction with this interview constitutes nor shall be construed as legal advice. It is not intended nor may it be relied upon as legal advice in any form. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301, again, 805-243-1301, and dial 1 so that I know that you have a question. Luana, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Bruce, thanks so much for having me.
1: My pleasure. This is your first time on, so tell us about yourself and your organization.
0: Thanks very much. Well, I'm the uh, Senior Vice President here for Programs and Services at the Better Business Bureau serving metropolitan New York. We're one of 108 Better Business Bureaus. Um, the system of Better Business Bureaus is over 100 years old, and together uh, we help people find and recommend businesses, brands, and charities they can trust through free consumer services like information reports on businesses and charities that are prepared um, for the most part, according to BBB standards, we use standards especially in our charity reports. And uh, we also have other services like BBB Scam Tracker, that's a new one, uh, and Consumer Reviews, all on
1: BBB.org. Did you say Scam Tracker or Spam I did, tracker?
0: yes, Scam. Scam, scam with a Like scams. S-C-A-M Tracker. Um, It's a really cool new tool uh, where you can either search for the latest information about scams that are happening in your area. It's national. We're actually all over North America at BBB. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can also report a scam or a suspected scam using the same tool. Uh, We're starting to use it to understand what kinds of scams are appearing. It's been extremely popular since we launched it about a year and a half ago, um, and even law enforcement is interested in seeing what people are reporting. We're kind of the original crowdsourcing organization, um, inviting people to share information about their experiences with businesses and charities and also uh, suspected scams, and then we can share that with the public.
1: Do you have to have been a victim of the scam, or if you just know that there's a business practice that you think is a scam, can you report it? Sure. Um,
0: you know, you can report what you suspect is a, a suboptimal business practice. Uh, you can also, if you have a complaint about a business, you can file that for free through the Better Business Bureau at bbb.org anytime, and we will try to help um, as a neutral party between the business and the consumer, or the customer, because we'll help businesses too, to resolve the problem.
1: Lovely. Thank you for that. Now, sure. our topic, again, is cause marketing, bringing businesses and charities together. So my first question is obvious. What is cause marketing?
0: Well, it kind of depends on who's talking. Uh, the government has a view about cause marketing. Uh, in fact, many state governments have views, and they, don't necessarily, um, they aren't necessarily the same. Uh, in law, uh, parts of cause marketing are called something like commercial co-venture, where a commercial entity and a nonprofit that's tax exempt they they co-venture to generate funds. Um, now, the Better Business Bureau has a view about what cause marketing is. Net flows out of our BBB standards for charity accountability, which are 20 practices that we uh, recommend to charities and that we use in development of our evaluation reports about charities. Uh, And we say that those practices represent accountability in the charity space. We have a standard having uh, to do with cause marketing, and basically it says that we're looking for the who, what, when, where, how of disclosure up front when a commercial entity is implying in a marketing appeal or a marketing claim that the purchase of um, a service or a product is going to benefit a charity. Now regulators are interested in this too and the reason why is um, that we want to ensure that consumers understand fully you know, what the consequences of a transaction will be and that there's no misrepresentation about that. So the, the, the chief concern is, is disclosure and ensuring that purchasers, in this case, because it's commercial marketing, or um, if you're on the solicitation side for a donation, donors are never misled about what will happen when they make a purchase or a gift.
1: So if I – I'm not going to give an exa- a real example because uh, I don't want uh, any corporation to get upset. But I, you buy my widget, and you send in the proof of purchase, and I uh-huh. say front and center, for every um, proof of purchase that I receive, I will donate 10 cents to the XYZ charity.
0: That's up part of what we look for.
1: Up to, let's say, a million dollars.
0: Okay, Um Good, but you also need to specify if there's um, a duration to the campaign if it's a con- otherwise if it's a continuous offer, it, there's no end point to it. Um, but yes, we look for the who what, when, where how. In other words, you need to be really specific about the amount from the purchase that's going to benefit the charity uh, that can be a, a specific dollar amount, like you know if you're buying a bar of soap, five cents for every bar of soap is going to charity X in the month if purchased in the month of October, for example, with a cap of five hundred thousand dollars. That would be a pretty specific um set of disclosures. And it encloses like the duration of the campaign, the cap, you know, and also the amount uh that the the charity is going to experience as a benefit. The uh, New York Attorney General's Office also has some interesting views about that. Um, and in fact, some years ago, they uh, conducted um, a sweep in the area of uh, pink ribbon campaigns and issued a set of best practices that they felt represented um, good practices in the space. Uh, and among the things that they said, some of which go beyond our own um, requirement at the Better Business Bureau. They wanted um, full disclosure in a social media space. Uh, and Also, they wanted um, commercial co-venturers or cause marketers to tell the public at the end how much was raised. Um, There have been, um, on occasion, comments made by um, the Charities Bureau Chief. That's the part of the Attorney General's Office here in New York that regulates charities. Saying also uh that the number of widgets or bars of soap or whatever whatever the item is that carries the claim about the benefit to the charity should be proportional to the total cap on what can be given. you know, in other words, if your cap is uh half a million dollars, um, you should make sure that the number of widgets that are out there bearing that claim. Is sort of corresponds to the total cap. You don't want more widgets out there with a claim on there um, after the cap has been reached. Because then a consumer purchasing a bar of soap, say, in good faith, with a claim on it saying, you know, you buy this bar of soap and there's going to be a benefit to the charity. If it can't be triggered because the cap's already been reached, then that might be perceived as misleading the consumer. So proportionality of cause marketing items bearing the claim to the total amount that can be given to the charity is another important concept. It just doesn't happen to be one that's in our standard. It's one the Attorney General has put forward.
1: That's interesting because I was thinking of it in a totally different way, that if you're saying you're going to give a million dollars I got to get out the calculator to make sure I don't make a fool out of myself. A million dollars and uh, ten cents for every um, widget you you sell. That would mean you would have to have, I think, ten million widgets, or is it a hundred million? Whatever. I don't know. Lots of widgets. Uh, yeah, a lot of widgets. <laughs>
0: yeah. But you well, then that's a cap. That it's not a, a minimum. Uh huh. Because
1: if you've got, if you're only going to put out a thousand, that's not, or it would be a hundred thousand. I did it wrong. Yeah. If um, you're only going to have, let's say, ten thousand, you're not going to have enough to reach the maximum that you're saying you're going to contribute. That would also be right. fraudulent.
0: Well, there are there are maximums and and minimums, yes. um, and what we say uh, both for businesses and we have um, standards for trust and an advertising code for businesses as well as standards for charities. Um, the fundamental pri- uh, principle is that everything relevant to uh, consumers' purchase, their decision to purchase, mm-hmm. or their decision to make a donation should be disclosed at the point of solicitation or at the point of sale. Uh, So in the moment when you're offering the item and making the claim, the cause marketing claim, that's the moment, whatever the communication channel might be, where you need to make it possible and easy for the consumer to understand what all the terms and conditions are that would apply to the sale. Just like, you know, if you're, buying a tv set you want to know what the return policy is right Um, and whether any restocking fees apply well in just the same way a cause marketing claim is a commercial marketing claim and all of the terms and conditions that might affect a consumer's decision to buy based on either an implied or directly represented benefit to a charity coming out of the purchase that should all be disclosed at at the moment, uh, the item is offered for purchase. It shouldn't is be it hard caused? either for I'm sorry, go
1: That's ahead. <laughs> oh, I was going to
0: say, I mean, another thing that we've heard the um, charities Bureau chief say is that it shouldn't be hard for a consumer to trigger that benefit. You know, they shouldn't have to go to a website and input a code and then jump through a survey and a, a game and a hoop, you know there shouldn't be a lot of hoops for them to jump through to trigger the the benefit. It should be easy.
1: Is it cause marketing if the in in this context, if the company says five percent of our revenue is um, donated every year to the X Y Z charity? Last year we donated one million two hundred fifty thousand dollars.
0: You're raising a really inter- interesting question, and uh, I've looked at that too. Um, and it's kind of a gray area where we would, if we're looking at a charity appeal and considering a charity evaluation or looking at a business and considering their marketing claims, um, we need to look at the specific claim. Uh, if someone is making a statement about a fact that might be implied to, you know, maybe the implication is you know, buy from me because I'm doing all this good stuff, they should at least be able to substantiate that. Um, and suppose that, you know, they're really giving, they're making a big to-do about we're donating, but the amount they're donating is inconsequential and only erratically given. You know, then that might be considered misleading.
1: You know, um, but if they say practice, they five really 5%, 5% and their P&L shows revenue of X, and then they say, well, mm-hmm. we've donated $50,000 and that's 5%, then... Should be uh, all above board,
0: sure, well, then you're making a statement of fact about what you're doing, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, we certainly applaud businesses um, supporting nonprofits if they choose to do so uh, from out of their profits or out of their sales, uh, so long as the representations made around it are accurate and they can be supported. Um, if we come and say, can you back that up with some documentary evidence? No, That's what we look for. It's really a simple mantra. If you, if you say it, you should be able to prove it. And if you cannot prove it, then you just shouldn't say it. And um, that certainly applies to cause marketing.
1: Now, what's the difference between cause marketing and regular everyday, run-of-the-mill marketing?
0: Well, it is different because a a pro-social or environmental benefit is being claimed. And marketers are really getting into this because on a consistent basis, studies show that um, especially with millennials, um, young and mature millennials, are very attracted to shopping for a cause. Uh, And in fact, um, there was a study done by uh, an organization called Cone Communications, which is a a firm that specializes in cause-related marketing types of things. And uh, they did a study that showed um, in 2015 that something like almost two-thirds of Millennial women, I believe it was, um, said they actually had brought, uh, bought a product that related to a cause within the prior 12 months. You know, that's that's big. Uh, so naturally, businesses are interested in affiliating with causes, um, but um, there are some considerations to bear in mind for the business. Uh, you want to make sure that there's a good fit and that you thoroughly screen the charity uh, and that you understand what you're getting into because there are a lot of minefields in that area. Uh, And for charities, uh, you want to make sure that you're staying focused on your mission uh, and that you're not uh, being drawn into actively marketing in any way or engaging in something that might look like commercial activity, which would be inappropriate for your charity.
1: You know, you raise a, a, an interesting point. Is cause marketing just if money is going to be to change hands, or is it also cause marketing if a company just gets up and says, uh, "We do not purchase anything that is not uh, coming from I don't know an environmentally sustainable manufacturer." Mm-hmm. You well, know, um, you're that raising awesome? a really
0: interesting question. Okay. <laughs> and and this again, that's why when you said, you know, what is cause marketing, I said, well, it kind of depends on who's talking, you know. Um, there's the regulatory point of view. There's a point of view that we have which flows out of standards about making sure consumers aren't misled. Um, what you're talking about I think sounds a little more like green marketing, where if you're making a representation about, Um, an environmental effect of a product that you're creating or a social benefit flowing out of a product or service, you need to, you know, again, all of the requirements about advertising, truth and advertising and accuracy in advertising would apply. But if you're just declaring, you know, we have values and our values are that um, we are in favor of XYZ environmental benefit, that's... Just a statement uh, and you could call it a kind of cause marketing, but if it isn't really linked to a you know a direct call to buy um, the connection it is, is is it falls into a gray area um,
1: Does there have to be a connection to a specific nonprofit?
0: Well, sometimes um I see things that don't have connections to a specific nonprofit. Um, I think that if you were going to put an appeal out there as a your business say, and you put an appeal out there um, saying buy our product and it will help to save the tigers. Tigers are great, you know, and but you don't say what that means. You know, does are you going to make a donation to a charity that specifically helps to rescue tigers or protect them, um, then, you know, again, uh, it's kind of vague, um, and I think it sort of borders on the suspect. The best practice really always is to disclose everything up front. Um, you'll sometimes see businesses that are supporting maybe a dozen or more, you know, up to 100 charities, that are working in a particular issue area and in that kind of circumstance if you're saying you know come and shop with us on such and so day and it will benefit women and girls we'll make it really easy for people to find out immediately exactly how it's going to benefit women and girls you know the who what when where and how apply tell us how much is going to be donated and what charities we're talking about here you know um, you can list them on a website, or you can list them on a sign in your store. You know, but make, so you know, make use, the specifics available.
1: I want to make sure this is clear. So I'm just, and I apologize. I don't know if anybody's going to be That's offended okay. by this or think it's inappropriate, but I'm just going to go for it. My company, as you know, I'm a recruiter. The mission of my company mm-hmm. is to promote the hiring of veterans, and I reduce my fee by a third when the candidate who is hired is a veteran. Now, is that cause marketing?
0: Uh, That's an interesting question. I'm not sure that it would fall into our definition of cause marketing, but I'd have to think about that. Um, It sounds like, you know, on balance, not. But I would probably, you know, check that out with... um, some other colleagues here before coming to a conclusion. It's not always a slam dunk.
1: Just curious. Now, I was going (laughs) to ask why the Better Business Bureau cares about this, but I think we've gone over that indirectly. So, I want to ask you questions based on the article that you wrote. Tell us about the article uh, where it was published, and uh, my first question is why is a charity's name an asset and how is that related to to our topic? Sure.
0: I did write an article um, this year. Uh, It was for the New York State Society of CPAs Tax Stringer Newsletter. Um, I was very flattered that they invited me to contribute that. Uh, And um, a link to the article is published uh, on our website. Uh, The URL, if you want to actually read it, is ny.giv.org in other words newyork.give.org ny.giv.org
1: and it talks actually about, let um, me interrupt you yeah. uh, if uh, listeners go to the summary on blog talk radio
0: uh-huh. uh
1: they can find a link under um uh, they'll see that uh, your bio ends that you recently wrote about cause marketing, and cause marketing is a hyperlink, and that's another way to get to the article.
0: Perfect. Um, So uh, the article basically talks about some of the pitfalls that we see happen, um, both with businesses and charities and how to avoid them. Um, Because if it's not done thoughtfully and with professional advice and disclosure, I'm, I'm not an attorney and I'm not an accountant myself, but we strongly recommend consulting you know, experts in those fields if you're going to venture into this area in a big way. Uh, uh, it, it does give some pointers about stuff to ask those professionals about if you are going to embark on a, a cause marketing venture. And one of the things that I think both businesses and nonprofits fail to uh, understand uh, sufficiently um and I've just seen this, you know, talking to people about cause marketing, is that a charity's name, its brand, its, you know, marketing assets, those are all intellectual property that it owns. It's property with monetary value because that's where the charity's reputation resides. So its ability to raise funds arises out of its name, its logo, its brand, Um And those are assets that the board of the charity is charged with defending and protecting um, as assets that should be used only for the mission purpose of that charity. Um, And where things go wrong often is that businesses might expect charities to contract with them and perform with them. The way that they would work with a vendor who—that's another business—and that's really not possible because charities are just subject to, you know, really different laws that um, often you know, some business folks, you know, if they're, if they're not exposed to nonprofit law, why would they be necessarily? They don't get it, and, and so um, you can stumble that way. I've seen businesses thinking that you know they're doing a good thing, you know, just without even telling the charity, um taking the charity's name and its logo and using it on its, on their website or in, in in things that they're doing to you know imply good things about their business. And they may be believing that they're doing something good for the charity too. But you know, think about it, you know, that's someone's property and if you've taken it without their permission and without their knowledge it's actually a misuse and potentially could be regarded as a maybe even a theft of, of intellectual property. So you should never do that without making an agreement with the charity. And in New York State, um, there are actually laws that govern this, um, particularly around what's called commercial co-venture, and I won't get into the wonky definition. Uh, but if you're interested in finding that information, it's on the Charities Bureau's website. Um, and uh, they publish, you know, quite quite a wonky document called Solicitation and Collection of Funds for Charitable Purposes. This is on the website at charitiesnys.com. That's C-H-A-R-I-T-I-E-S-N-Y-S dot com. And you can find it there and read all about what the law requires. Um, Some of the stumbling blocks are that, for example, it's not impossible that a business which is soliciting donations from the public in the name of the charity might be regarded as a professional fundraiser under the law and be asked to register as such. For a charity, if it engages in something that's regarded as a commercial marketing activity, anything really other than just being passively a recipient of funds through a, an agreement like this, a cause marketing agreement, then it, it's possible they might find themselves subject to what's called unrelated business income tax. That, in, that income might them, be regarded so. as commercial.
1: We'll get to you so those, in a those are
0: some of the pitfalls that you want to look out for, I mean, um, and they flow out of um, the whole issue of a charity's name and its identity being used for a commercial activity.
1: Now, just a reminder, you're listening to the Voice of Manhattan Business. My guest today is Luana Lewis from the Better Business Bureau. We're discussing cause marketing, bringing businesses and charities together. If you have any questions, feel free to call in. The number is 805-243-1301 and dial 1 so I know you have a question. Please remember the opinions expressed on this program are solely those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views or positions of the Manhattan Chamber of Commerce. Additionally, as a matter of policy, the Better Business Bureau does not endorse any product, service, or business. The information provided here is believed to be reliable, but the BBB does not guarantee its accuracy or completeness. No information provided here or in conjunction with this interview constitutes nor shall be construed as legal advice. It is not intended nor may it be relied upon as legal advice in any form. Luana, if a charity is going to work with a business, they obviously need to sign a contract. What should be included in this?
0: They definitely do, Um, and of course you will want to speak to your own expert attorney about what kinds of things should be included, but they would include, you know, the basic food groups that you would see in a, in a con- any kind of contract about um, who gets paid what when, um, things like termination, what provisions of the agreement would survive termination of the agreement or not, when and how an agreement can be terminated and for what reason. For example, like what if one of the parties, either the company or the charity, is suddenly exposed as being you know, seriously a public relations risk. So you need provisions around that. Uh, but you also want to ensure that you have terms that relate specifically to the charity's right to control its charitable asset, and that's its name and logo, and any marketing claims made using its name and logo. So there should definitely be provisions that allow the charity to retain a controlling interest over its assets. And uh, that's its name and logo. You need to be able to monitor and control the charitable assets. And businesses may not understand why this is important. Uh, uh, And often it's the business that wants to control uh, things like the nature of the marketing claim that's made. Uh, And they they need to be understanding about the fact that the charity has to protect not only its intellectual assets, uh, its property, but its right to be a charity. <laughs> uh, and the, the agreement needs to be structured really carefully. It's really ideal to have an attorney that understands both nonprofit law and cause marketing, especially if you're going to do this across state lines because there are something like Eighty percent of the states regulate charities and forty percent of them have laws that touch in some way on cause marketing and it's a minefield. Um, in addition, the internal revenue has uh, issues around what is and is not tax exempt activity that affect the charity and um, there can be regulations across many states that determine who and who is and is not considered a a fundraiser on behalf of a charity who has to be registered in the state where a solicitation is taking place. So if you're going to do a really big campaign, um, say it's national in scope, um, absolutely you know, you must get competent professional advice. And in New York State, um, and you can certainly check on the Charities Bureau website to confirm everything and should, uh, but my understanding is you would need to have a written agreement, and register that with the state. Uh, If, you know, you are moving forward with a consequential agreement, the Better Business Bureau says your board of directors must see that and approve it because they are charged, well, with protecting the charity's assets, namely its name and logo, but also they're charged with ensuring that the public is not misled by fundraising solicitations. And the Charities Bureau has made that pretty clear in some actions it has taken recently where um there were charities that were making solicitations through third parties but uh, there weren't adequate controls being exercised by the board and the the attorney general came in and there were some pretty draconian regulatory actions taken when the the charity didn't take steps to proactively protect its name and assets So all of those things are um, important. And then, of course, uh, you want to make sure uh, that it's clear who is responsible for these compliance things uh, that needs to be laid out, I would expect. Ask your attorney how the income is going to be calculated, how it's going to be reported, when does it get paid, are there thresholds that have to be met. Uh, uh, I don't have any uh, standard here at the BBB that requires a threshold, but I've seen like some um, some thresholds published, well, we're not going to pay you until the amount of the cause marketing benefit is at least $250 or more. Well, that means you're withholding, you know, if it's $249, you know, that money for who knows how long. So those are all considerations that you'll need to negotiate using competent counsel um, and make sure that it's, they're specified uh, you want to make sure that anything um, in the agreement about what the charity is obliged to do um, doesn't imply that you are agreeing to do any active marketing or any active selling um, on behalf of a commercial entity because then that could put you in the position of maybe uh, potentially having what the IRS calls unrelated business income.
1: Which is my next question. You had said um, bit. you just explained what, is, what the acronym is, and you just answered the question before I asked it. How is it related to cause marketing?
0: Well, it is it is related to cause marketing because um, this is a, a, a case where a commercial entity is using a charity asset, its name, its logo, um, maybe some other assets belonging to the charity to market a product or a service, um, and of course, you know the regulatory interest is to assure that there's not unfair competition on the part of charities, which are tax exempt, um, and because they are tax exempt, uh, charities do have to cleave to a very high standard of performance uh, and avoid engaging in activity that looks commercial. And it can get actually pretty tricky to figure out what is and is not unrelated business income. Uh, it's not necessarily intuitive. As I found out myself, uh, as it happens, the Internal Revenue Service has a lovely website. It's called stayexempt.irs.gov. And on that website, there are a number of tutorials about how nonprofits can take steps to ensure that they protect their tax exemption. And one of them is a tutorial about unrelated business income. I went through this myself, uh, and the examples they gave, uh, you know, I thought I was pretty up to speed on it, but I have to tell you I missed some of them. So it it really isn't intuitive, and if you are thinking of engaging as a nonprofit in an activity that might involve some commercial aspects, you need to take qualified counsel um, your attorney or your accountant, they need to advise you on how to avoid any kind of um, unrelated business income tax. That would be excessive. It's not that you can't ever, but if it becomes really significant, it might potentially imperil your tax-exempt status. Now, Again, this is like not in the wheelhouse of most businesses and they they aren't going to be thinking about this. It's it's not uh, unless they are folks who have sat on a nonprofit board. It's not going to be familiar. So, I mean, you might as a business person approach a cause marketing deal thinking, well, you know, I need, you know, this charity to do some of the marketing lifting and, and just understand that they can't. They really can't. Then, they, they're not supposed to do that.
1: Understood. Now, uh, staying in the weeds, so to speak, talk to us a little uh-huh. bit more about charit- charitable Solicitor registration issues. What Uh, are they?
0: That's another tricky one. Um, Again, like there's something like um, 80% of the states uh, have some kind of regulation of charities, and many of them require that persons who are soliciting in any way on behalf of a charity for a donation, not necessarily, you know, a marketing fee for, you know, not necessarily marketing, but sometimes marketing, um, that they might have to might have to register as a professional solicitor. Uh, in fact, New York State has rules around that, and if you go to charitiesny.s.com and and view that document I mentioned, you can see what the rules are. It's a pretty wonky document, um, and if you're going to be doing this across state lines, um, you need to understand whether anyone who's connected to the cause marketing program that's under discussion might, you know, if it's structured in in a certain way, then be required to register as a fundraising solicitor in various states. And the laws are all different. This is why you need experts if you're going to do it in a big way. Uh, And, uh, of course, charities themselves, when they're soliciting across state lines, also have to register um, and uh, it's quite a patchwork quilt of registration requirements. There are organizations out there, uh, professional services, uh, that specialize in helping uh, charities and others who are their vendors doing you know, solicitations for them register wherever they're required to register. Um, And you can consult them for some professional advice, but you should also consult your own attorney and accountant when making decisions about where you're going to need to register. There are fees attached to it. There's paperwork. Um, It's a lot. There's reporting. You have to file reports through those states. Um, It's a lot. Uh, So uh, if you're a business, you don't want to venture into that space, you know. You don't want to be doing that, um, and it's avoidable if a deal is structured
1: appropriately. Before I let you go, thank you. Tell us what the best way is for listeners to get in touch.
0: Well, you can always go to newyork.bbb.org. That's N-E-W-Y-O-R-K dot b b dot O-R-G. And there's a, a Contact Us page there. And you can find us that way. If you have questions about cause marketing issues, I would invite you to either email us or call us. You can email at charity at newyork.bbb.org. That's charity at n-e-w-y-o-r-k dot b dot o-r-g, or just call 212-358-2873. And um, you can ask for me or you can speak to a member of our Charity Accountability staff and we'll be delighted to do our best to help
1: you. Well, Luana, you've been a great help to our listeners this afternoon. I also want to thank you and through you, your colleagues, because this is the final interview this year with the Better Business Bureau. We did four This year, and we have four planned for next year, and I'm looking forward to it, and I hope you'll be uh, one of the guests because you did a great job, and I really appreciate it.
0: Well, we really appreciate being included, and, again, we will be happy to be helpful anytime. Thanks so much.
1: Well, thank you, and as always, a special thank you to our listeners, and I am certain Luana joins me in wishing everyone a safe and prosperous week. Absolutely.